Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 141, The Spirit of Prophecy. One thing I've noticed about human nature is that we have a really short attention span. (laughs) I don't know, call it distraction or tunnel vision. You know, we can even call it short-sightedness. But I've noticed the difficulty to hang on to a string of information or events and to see it completely through. We've seen it with scandal, for example, in politics or in Hollywood. Once the scandal has been revealed, it's as if they are counseled by their PR person to just lay low for a while, and then the public will get distracted, and then you can make a comeback and all will be forgiven. And they're not too far off, right? The public mind, the public attention, we really move on quickly, don't we? For example, I would love it if someone who hasn't gotten distracted like me, if there's someone out there that has kept track of all the miracles that they've noticed, either in the news, like the breakthroughs of the vaccine, um, I don't know, just different miracles that have happened in the world with COVID after the world prayed and fasted for relief. Remember how we prayed and fasted for relief, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially? Wouldn't that be neat to hear, to hear it all put together for us? Because that's really what the scriptures do for us, is somebody was tracking it and they were putting together all of those miracles to show that God is in the details of things. And wouldn't that be such a faith building, like treasure trove of information to have? And I know people could argue conjecture, but I don't care. The older I get, the more I am less worried about giving credit to God, about giving him too much credit <laughs> and and trying to decide whether or not it was a miracle of his. In fact, I love giving him all the credit and the feels that I get back when I do so. It fills me up. And so I just keep doing it. And that's awesome, positive reinforcement. That makes me be able to see his hand so much more intimately in my life when I just give him all the credit. Anyway, if you're someone who has been keeping track of that sort of stuff, send it to me. I want to read it. I want to see all the things that you've put together. So email me at carrie at sisterscriptorians.com. I'd love to read it. Or if you post it on Facebook because you want more than just me to read it, that would be awesome. Just tag me so that I can be aware of it. Because unless we make an effort to look for it and to acknowledge it and to identify it and give him the credit, we often don't get to see the blessings. And we also don't get to see consequences a whole lot too, if we don't keep track of it. How many times has the Lord warned that his wrath is being kindled? That is what I thought about the past few weeks as we've been studying Come, Follow Me and the Doctrine and Covenants. And I started thinking about that around section 102 and then on. We mortals want swift and immediate consequences for our oppressors, don't we? Not for us, of course. (laughs) 
We want mercy. We want him to understand our hearts and and our tensions. But for those that are persecuting us, that feels like a different story sometimes, doesn't it? And I'm sure that the saints had to strive to hold on to or even to develop some type of eternal perspective when the Lord promised that their persecutors would receive their reward for their, for their actions. Otherwise, it just didn't appear, I'm sure, to them, like any suffering was taking place for those who were kicking them out of their homes and torturing them. It's hard. We want to see things unfold for us like one of our favorite drama shows. We want it all wrapped up so that we can move on, right? Because for most of us, we do move on. But completion feels so, well, complete. That's why Alma chapter 16 is rather satisfying for us. Because remember, during the 10th year of the reign of the judges, Alma had spent time in Ammonihah. He met Amulek, converted him, attempted to convert many more. Some did, but they were either cast out of the city or worse. The women and children of the believers were gathered up and burned to death right there in front of Alma and Amulek. Alma had warned one of his many teachings and his prophesyings that the Lord would not tolerate for these people who had once been children of light to live in such transgression. The people of Ammonihah belonged to a highly favored people of the Lord and had had so many things made known unto them. God had heard their desires, their faith, and their prayers. He had visited them with the Spirit of God, angels, and even by His voice. The people had once basked in the spirit of prophecy, both by prophets and by their own revelation that they received, and many spiritual gifts had been bestowed upon them. Not only that, the Lord had delivered them out of Jerusalem to protect them. He had saved them from famine from sickness and all manner of diseases. He had enabled them to be strong in battle. He had brought them out of bondage, kept and preserved them, and even prospered them. How many miracles on this list can you say with sincerity that you have also received them? Have you gotten distracted or suffered with a short-term attention span? that prevents you from tracking and remembering all of those miracles that are happening for you on a daily basis? Remember, Alma warned them that it will be better for the Lamanites than for them when it comes to judgment if they don't repent because all of the light that they have received will testify against them. And Amulet confirmed that the only reason why the Lamanites hadn't come upon them yet and destroyed them completely was because of the prayers of the righteous who were in the land at that moment. So what did the people of Ammonihah do? They cast out all of the believers or they killed them. Their only protection against themselves. The reason why the Lord's hand was stayed from destroying them and they go ahead and brutally remove the believers from their existence. Again, we don't always get to see every warning of the Lord come to fruition. You know, that isn't fair. Again, I I believe we probably aren't the best at tracking it or at being aware of it or identifying it like it needs to be identified. That the Lord is the God of truth and cannot lie. 
So therefore, we do know and should put faith in that his word is going to be fulfilled. We just might not be in tune to his ways enough to notice it. But here in chapter 16, it's obvious. And it happens on the fifth day of the second month of the 11th year of the reign of the judges. Or in other words, not a lot of time has lapsed between Alma's warning and the utter destruction of Ammonihah and its people. Mormon begins by telling us that a cry of war was heard throughout the land. The Lamanites, without warning, came upon Ammonihah on the wilderness side and began to slay the people and destroy the city. And by the time the Nephites were able to organize themselves to drive out the Lamanites, the destruction was utterly complete. This is how swiftly God's word can be fulfilled. The scriptures state that every living soul of the Ammonihahites, say that five times fast, <laughs> was destroyed. And their great city, which they said God could not destroy because of its greatness, was toast. Now, during this attack, the Lamanites also carried away some Nephites from the borders of Noah, and the Nephites were desirous to get them back. Now, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'll highlight this for you in case this little bit of happening happened to be overlooked by you as well. The chief captain of the Nephites at this time was named Zoram, and he had two sons, Lehi and Aha. Now, these three men, knowing that Alma was the high priest over the church, and having heard that he had the spirit of prophecy, therefore they went unto him, and they desired of him to know whither the Lord would, that they should go into the wilderness in search of their brethren. Now, I knew that down the road, Captain Moroni will do this same thing, that he'll honor the prophet Alma, and Alma's spirit of prophecy, and he will go and he'll ask where he should go defend the Nephites against the Lamanites. But I didn't know that this had happened before. Chief Captain Zoram, in order to rescue his fellow men, what did he do? He turned to the prophet. And I want to pause here, and I want to ponder this for a minute. Let's liken this to ourselves. We believe in prophets, seers, and revelators. We believe that there are men on this earth whose calling it is to represent Jesus Christ in word and in deed and in administration. And therefore, we believe that they have been given the keys and the spiritual gifts to be prophets, seers, and revelators. In fact, we just heard from them, didn't we? And one of their roles is to inquire of the Lord concerning those who have been taken captive by the world and its ways and to reveal to us how to get them back or personalize it, how we can fortify ourselves or how we can abide more safely in the gospel of Jesus Christ and reap its promised blessings. So how can we more fully honor the spirit of prophecy in which they speak to us by? What specific instruction did we hear that we need to use as minutely as Zoram and his sons did on how to take back their brothers and sisters held captive by the Lamanites? Do we even believe 
that their counsel and direction is because of their gift of being a seer? Or are they just giving us nice suggestions? These are questions we need to ask ourselves, aren't they? These are questions I needed to review for myself even as I studied the Zion's camp in the Doctrine and Covenants a few weeks ago. Wasn't that interesting? Ask yourself, what if we followed the instruction the best we could and it still didn't work out for us like we thought it should? (laughs) Are our prophets and apostles still seers and revelators despite whatever outcome we think we should have gotten? Well, fortunately for the Nephites, it did work out as they expected. Alma inquired of the Lord and received specific instructions on where they could intersect the Lamanites, giving them the greatest of advantages at recovering their brethren held captive, and by following the Lord's specific instructions revealed through his prophet Alma, the captives were recovered, and there was not one soul of them that was lost. It is my personal testimony that following the prophets of God will give me the same outcome, that not any part of my soul will be lost. And the likening of myself to this part of scripture increases my desire to follow the prophets with not only more exactness, but more willingness on my part and less resistance. For three years, the Nephites enjoyed peace in their land. And the land of Ammonihah continued to be a reminder to the Nephites of the Lord's word being verified. In fact, the land became known as the desolation of Nehors. And it was a land that no one wanted to possess for many years because of the stink that existed there, because of the mass carnage and the shallow coverings of burial that they had to do because there were so many of them. For this eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die religion, their tomorrow came. And it reminded the rest of the Nephites of the promise of the land that they lived upon. As long as you keep my commandments, you will prosper. And if you don't keep my commandments, you will be wiped from the face of the earth. Alma and Amulet continued to preach repentance and impart the word of God to whoever would receive it, or in other words, without respect of persons. These two men of God preached against the devices of the devil that brought down so dramatically a people who prided themselves on not only their own personal greatness, but the greatness of their city. These devices that Alma preached against were lyings, deceivings, envyings, strifes, malice, revilings, stealing, robbing, plundering, murdering, adultery, and lasciviousness. How many of these do we just see as being little, little sins, little problems? But yet they're not. They can compound and bring down an entire society. A return to virtue was emphasized by Alma and Amulek. And for what purpose? Or in other words, why? Let's know the why. The why was Jesus will come to them. He will visit them and his desire is to graft them back into the true vine so that they can enter into his rest. 
And what Alma was doing during these years was preparing the hearts of the people to receive the word of the Lord when he did come to them. And from this point in time, it's still like over 100 years away. But as the people responded to the word of God, miraculously, they were healed and their societies were edified for there was no inequality among them. Again, I, I know you must have felt the outpouring of the Spirit as we attended conference. Our hearts are always being prepared to receive the Word of God for when He comes again, so that we too can come home and enter into His rest. But also noticed the strong feelings that you had of no respecter of persons. All are of worth in the sight of God. And to help you this week, the ponder prompt that I send out on Tuesdays will help you to have a place to capture the specific instructions we received from our prophets this past general conference. If you're listening to this episode on the day it came out on Monday, it isn't too late to sign up to receive those emails. And if you're asking what I mean by these emails, for those who have signed up, if you go to my website to sisterscriptorians.com and you sign up to be a sister scriptorian, I periodically send out a ponder prompt to help you liken what we've learned here on the podcast today, to help you liken it to yourself. It's a great way to practice implementing the doctrine and to discover its place in your life. It's a great way to get your thoughts in line, to manage that human brain, and to get into your mind to help the Spirit be able to direct you and have these truths sink more deeply into your heart. Also, I want to let you know that coming up on October 20th, I'll be doing a webinar on the tender mercies of the Lord, and this is completely complimentary. And the easiest way to sign up for that will be through those emails that I send out. However, there will be a link when registration is happening on my website as well, so you can sign up for that there. Life is good, my friends, and life can continue to improve. And one of the ways it can improve is getting clear on what your desires truly are and then going after them. I just want to let you know I can help walk you through, through coaching, how you can set attainable goals, be on to your self-defeating thoughts, and help you recreate the story that you've got going on for yourself right now. You know, the one that's stopping you from trying to go after your goals or quickly convinces you to give up. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Contact me at carrieatsisterscriptorians.com and sign up for my 10 sessions. They're one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with me. And from now until the end of the year, it's only $200. Okay? I think that's it. I tell you to go follow me on Facebook or Instagram, which you can, but you and I both know that that is a work in progress for me. But follow me anyway. Your support there will probably be motivating for me. I know I just haven't found my groove there yet. But I've found it here, and I'll be here next week. See ya.